This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Coming up next on Plains FM, the Shetland and Orkney Connection, brought to you by the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Society. Played by Shetland Band Homebrew, signal 8.30pm the last Monday each month for the Shetland and Orkney Connection, produced by the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Society and broadcast on Plans FM 96.9, either directly in Canterbury or streaming live globally on broadband, or available for three months after the broadcast via podcast on the website www.plansfm.org.nz. Happy New Year to you all and welcome to January 2024 episode of the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Connection, which is presented by the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Society. It is promoted by Community Radio Plains FM 96.9. The programme is broadcast at 8.30pm on the last Monday of each month and is repeated on Monday two weeks later at noon. I'm Heather Craw and today I have with me only Helen as Jan has been in contact with COVID and didn't want to bring it into the studio, which was very kind of her. Did you have a nice Christmas and New Year, Helen? Yes, yes, we did. Very quiet, but mm. very nice. Mm. Not too hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had a few days away before Christmas, didn't you, yes, Hamilton? Yeah. that's right. Mm. Congratulations to the new monarchs of Denmark, King Frederick X and Mary, his queen consort. But did you know that the Australian-born Queen Mary has Orcadian ancestry and ten cousins with Viking genes? King Frederick of Denmark married Mary Donaldson of Tasmania in 2004. Mary is the daughter of John Donaldson and Henrietta Horne, originally from Port Seton, East Lothian, Scotland. Henrietta's father was Archibald Horne, born 1911, and his father was the son of John T.T. Horne, born 1886. John's mother was Mary Tate, born 1848 in Orpha in Orkney, daughter of Thomas Tate, born 1805, and Hannah Leesk, 1811, both of Orpha. It's a wee way mm. back, but it's still Orkney yes, connections. Yeah. it is. <laughs> the islands had some really bad weather earlier this month, with high winds and snow, which meant road closures, ferry and flights cancelled, and schools closed. Despite all the bad weather they have had, the Sandwick Young Farmers Ploughing Match went ahead at Garson by kind permission of the Wood family. There was hazy sunshine and a fresh northwest wind, but the field was in quite good order for ploughing. They have just had another storm with gale-forced winds and, of course, more ferry cancellations, and it's been quite windy down in the UK as well. It has. Mm. Okay, the Winter Straw Club workshop has just held its final meeting this month and there were some impressive results. 
Every Saturday morning, the museum auditorium was filled with oat straw as three groups of ten progressed their projects. Each group focused on a particular craft technique. First, the quiche makers all learned how to make simmons, which were used in their own quiche. Those in the knotted straw group each made a straw basket on a wooden base, based on the Fair Isle strawback chairs. And the stitch straw makers made several baskets each, learning how to add lids and handles, and created their own shapes and sizes, according to how they wanted to use the finished pieces. And this is something I would have you know, liked to have learnt to make the straw baskets and things, because yes. some of them are really nice. They do, they look lovely. Mm. Last week, cocaine and cannabis with an estimated street value of up to £203,000 was seized by police at the Homegarths Ferry Terminal in Shetland. Three men have been arrested. Detective Inspector Callum Reid said that the drugs were set to enter the Shetland community. The recovery highlights the police commitment to tackling serious and organised crime and keeping Shetland communities safe from harm caused by illegal drugs. Support from members of the public is vital as part of police work in bringing those responsible for supplying illegal substances in their communities to justice. Mm, It's a shame, isn't it? It Mm, is. mm. Now, Viking Energy Wind Farm has donated £2,500 for the upkeep of Lerwick's iconic Viking longship. Over 40 years ago, the replica Viking longship was built in Shetland and launched in 1980. The longship is 40 foot long, excluding the head and tail, and is a focal point along Lerwick's waterfront. A competition with local schools to name the boat was run by the committee, and the name Dim Riv was chosen, which means the dawning of a new day, the strip of light when the sun rises over the horizon. The Dim Riv is looked after by a group of volunteers and is stored away during the winter, when any necessary repairs can be undertaken. Hopefully the money that has been donated will keep this iconic vessel in the water and bring enjoyment to countless visitors in 2024. Longship Committee Chairman Graham Nicholson added, without the financial donation received from Viking Energy Wind Farm, there was a real chance that the Dimriv might have not been able to go in the water in 2024, given how much their costs have risen over the last year. Mm, that would be a shame. Mm, it's a problem these days, isn't it? The cost is. of everything's rising here. Lerwick Harbour is set to become the main hub for the Norwegian company Equinor's first phase of development of the Rosebank oil and gas field. Contractor Technic FMC is responsible for integrated engineering, procurement, installation and construction for the field. The subsea production systems, umbilicals, rises and flow lines it manufactures will be delivered and stored at the deep water port. Lerwick is perfectly positioned to support this project, both in proximity to the field, bringing savings in sailing times, fuel and emissions and minimising vessel turnaround. And with our ready-made facilities, including extensive quaysides. Equinor and its partner are investing 3.8 billion US dollars in Rosebank, 
which is said to have the largest untapped reserves in UK waters. This is another significant opportunity for Lerwick and Shetland to continue serving the energy sector. Hmm. Surprising though, oil and gas, you know, when we're not supposed to be using it. <laughs> but we'll, anyhow. We'll just keep it in reserve. Yeah. <laughs> Around 20 orcas were spotted splashing their tails and hunting alongside Gannicks, west of Fula, by Walsay fishing crew on the Zephyr. John Lowry Irvine, who captured some footage, said he also witnessed one orca jumping right next to the boat, but sadly not while they were being filmed. Some of the crew also saw three humpbacked whales in the distance. People have also enjoyed amazing views of Shetland's sixth ever beluga whale off the cliffs to the northwest of Hillswick recently. Beluga whales are white in colour. It appeared to be in good body condition and diving regularly and was truly a beautiful creature. And I think it's so lovely that the whales are returning sort of yes. to the Arctic Sea because they were nearly fished right out. Um, yes. You know, the end of the 1800s, weren't they? Mm. They were. Mm. We know in both Orkney and Shetland we have some well-known folk. Stanley Cursiter, CBE and RSA, is just one of them. He was born in Kirkwall in 1887 and died in 1976. He was one of Scotland's most prolific 20th century painters, as well as being a writer and curator. Although in his younger years he worked away from Orkney, he returned during summers to paint seascapes, cliffs and landscapes, sometimes staying at a wooden fishing hut at Yesnaby. There are fine examples of his work at the Stromness Museum. In later life, Stanley returned to Orkney permanently and made his home at Stenegar, the house he built from a former boatyard in Stromness. He played an important role in introducing modern art to Scotland and initiated the campaign to create a Scottish National Gallery of Modern Art. He was appointed Director of the National Galleries of Scotland in 1930 and King's Limna for Scotland in 1948. Locally, he was involved in launching Orkney Museum and the St Rognavell's Chapel in the former Presbytery at the east end of St Magnus Cathedral in 1956. Mm. Mm. Sunderland and Catalina flying boats were based at Sullenvoe in Shetland during the Second World War. They carried out anti-submarine and convoy escort duties, but sitting on the water at their base, they were vulnerable to enemy air attack, and so an airstrip from which fighter aircraft could protect them was laid. It became known as RAF Skatster. The building at Graven were erected as part of the base, and after the war were turned into the Sulimvo Hotel. The site overlooked the former wartime base that lay abandoned until the late 1970s, when work started on its transformation into the largest oil terminal in Europe. And I had a look online, and it is a big terminal, so right. I don't know if you've noticed it. No, but, I haven't. It was a remarkable site, a massive industrial complex with huge tankers moving in and out and aircraft taking off and landing at Skatster Airfield. But the hotel is now closed. Oh, that's a shame. Mm. Be a good place to stay, wouldn't well, it? Well, I don't know. But they don't use Skatster as an airport because um, it used to be along with um, the other one that's down the other end. But I don't think they haven't 
you know, domestic flights, no. domestic flights there from there now. Mm. Flying officer John Cruikshank was based there during World War II and was awarded the Victoria Cross for his actions in sinking a U-boat in July 1944, and despite being severely wounded, with the help of his co-pilot, he managed to return his crew to base. He was so badly wounded with over 70 shrapnel wounds, mostly in his legs, that after landing the Catalina, he was given a blood transfusion while stood aboard the aircraft before they moved him. Due to his injuries, he never flew in command of an aircraft again. Yeah, the, one of the crew mm. was killed, but the rest, I think, were okay. But right. Yeah, he was sort of in and out of consciousness, and, you know, his co- yes. co-pilot did a lot of pilot flying, but um, he did land it. Mm. And I think he must, you know, you wonder about those men, don't you, the strength they had. That's right. Mm. Over the years, there have been quite a few different hospitals in both groups of islands. The former Balfour Hospital in Kirkwell originated in 1836 with a bequest from John Balfour of Trenaby for building, furnishing and endowing a hospital. In 1845, the trustees purchased a house in Main Street from James Shearer for £450 and the hospital opened shortly afterwards. In 1888, a separate fever hospital was built to the rear This continued in use until 1938, by which time the rest of the hospital had been replaced by a new building elsewhere in the town. The original building survives, as in 1990, latterly to use as a hotel. The present, 1992, this is time, Belfer Hospital opened in 1927. It replaced the earlier hospital in the town of the same name. In March 1914, the widow and family of Bailey Robert Garden offered to fund a new building, but the outbreak of World War I delayed the venture. The hospital was finally built in the 1920s. During the Second World War, hutted ward blocks were constructed in the grounds as part of the emergency medical scheme, and a new ward annex was built. Later, a new maternity block was added. And since then, a new hospital has been built in recent years. Actually, it's a nice... Um, Circular one, it's an unusual shape for a hospital. Mm. East Bank Hospital in Kirkwall was a modest Georgian-style house. It was converted into an infectious diseases hospital and sanatorium by Mr Ferguson and opened in 1937. It replaced the Scarpa Infectious Diseases Hospital. With the decline in the need for this type of accommodation, the hospital was converted for use as a geriatric hospital. The Orkney Combination Poorhouse, Scarpa Road, Kirkwall, was built by T.S. Peace, Senior, and opened in 1883. It was planned to accommodate 50 paupers on the standard H plan, plainly constructed of wally wall stone in squared rubber work with freestone dressings for sills and lintels of red sandstone. It was roofed with Welsh slates and given projecting eaves. The original plans by Peace were rejected by the Board of Supervision, which suggested that they should be made simpler and less costly. To aid the parochial board in remodelling the plans, they enclosed traces of the tracings of the plans of the Sky and Long Island's combination poorhouses. 
It's funny how when plans mm. have been made, there's always opposition and something is. Cost yes. usually comes down to it, doesn't it? It does. Scapper Infectious Diseases Hospital in Kirkwall is now demolished. The former seaplane station at Scapper was converted in 1923 by T.S. Spence into a small fever hospital. It seems to have been one of the last works of Thomas Peace Sr. and his nephew, also Thomas Peace, who acted as his assistants on this commission. Brevik House Lurwick was formerly the Lurwick Combination Poor House. It originally opened on the 17th of September 1887 and was built to designs by T.S. Peace. The same architect designed the Orkney Poor House, which was built on almost the same plan. Various minor alterations were carried out during the 20th century. It closed as a hospital in 1983, and the elderly patients were transferred to the Montfield Hospital. Brevik House is still in use by Shetland Health Board. Gosh. The new Gilbert Bain Hospital of Lerwick was built on the site of the former Infectious Hospital. The foundation stone was laid on the 21st of April 1959, and the first phase was officially opened on the 8th of August 1961. The former Gilbert Bain Hospital in Lerwick was opened in 1902 and was designed by W.A. Baird Lang, an architect and civil engineer from Edinburgh. It was built with a bequest from Miss Inger Bain for £2,000 for the building and £1,000 towards its endowment. Further funds were donated by her sister, Mrs Isabella Anderson. They were both sisters of Gilbert Bain, formerly a merchant in Singapore and afterwards residing in Edinburgh. The hospital was subsequently extended in 1912 and 1925. With the opening of the new Gilbert Bain Hospital, the building was retained as a geriatric unit until the new Montfield Hospital was opened in 1938. The building was sold in 1988 to a firm of undertakers. Yes, I sort of had to smile at that. But I was saying, you know, that Gilbert Bain Hospital, mm. it's 70-odd years old now, so it's, it's um, you know, getting on in years, isn't it? Yes. Mm. The NAB Hospital in Lurwick, now demolished, opened as a fever hospital around 1850. Lerwick Combination Hospital for Infectious Diseases opened in 1889 to replace the old fever hospital at the NAB, where a hut was retained for smallpox cases, now mostly demolished. The new Gilbert Bain was built on the site of part of the hospital, and the last remaining block is scheduled for demolishing in the future. Montfield Hospital in Lerwick originally opened on the 13th of November 1928, as the Zetland County Sanatorium, built to designs by P. Thompson. It provided 24 beds and was built on the open-air principle, despite the northerly climate, with verandas onto which beds could be pushed. In 1962, it became mostly a hospital for long-stay patients and was renamed the Montfield. In 1983, major extensions were completed to convert it into a geriatric hospital. The information about Shetland's hospitals came from the Shetland District Archives. I'm not sure when this article was written, but it was after 1992. Yes. Very interesting. Mm. And it's nice to think that they've had years of use. Yes, yeah. Yes. yeah. My, how things have changed. 
A Christmas smoke for the boys at the front, headlined the Shetland Times Cigarette Fund. We offer no apology for making a fresh and strong appeal to all interested on behalf of the boys in the trenches. We are anxious that as many of them as possible may be able to enjoy a smoke at the coming Yuletide, provided for them by their friends back home in Shetland. There are few families in these islands, but most have a relative serving in one or other branches of the services. To each of these, some pleasant reminder of Christmas tide will be dispatched, and memory of the old home ties will be revived and strengthened. All the island folk recognise the splendid work done by the boys in the trenches, and they are not insensible to the hardships they have to endure. It is for our sakes they are suffering and sacrificing, and it is because this is recognised that we make a fresh appeal to our readers to enable us to send a Christmas remembrance to the boys in the form of cigarettes. We have numerous notes of thanks in our possession from grateful recipients of cigarettes, and from these it can be seen how much they are appreciated. Yeah. The value of such gifts from people of the homeland will be greatly enhanced at this time of the year. In the long dark hours of watching in the trenches or crouching in the reserve lanes, the only crumb of comfort the boys enjoy is a fag. Will you add to that comfort by increasing the supply of fags? Gosh, you don't use that word these days, do you? Um, the boys will appreciate it. We appeal to school teachers, to employers, to all who are in touch with people all over the islands to make a special rally and enable us to send a big supply of cigarettes as a real Shetland Christmas gift to our brave heroes who are doing much for us and show that the boys have a warm place in the hearts of the people of Shetland. Whatever is to be done must be done without delay and thus prove to our boys that hands across the sea is no mere figure of speech but a living reality. Yes. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yes, other things have changed now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, right, New Year's Day in Quirk. This was a wee note that was in the um, paper and I'm, I don't know when it was but I would say it's at the beginning of last century. New Year's Day in Kirkwall passed off much as usual. We are glad to say that barbarous practice, miscalled football, which usually takes place on Christmas and New Year's Day on Broad Street, has of late fallen very much away, and the number who took part in the affray on Thursday was small. And what they are talking about is the bar, and I'm not sure when this was printed, but I wondered what they would think of the bar nowadays. Yes. Well, once again, we have come to the end of our programme. Cheerio until next time. Bye for now.